Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Josie Long, and I'm here to accompany you through Sound Unbound where we meet creative thinkers to dig into the music that they love. Today's guest is C.N. Lester, an academic, composer and performer. And they're no stranger to the Barbican. They're the creator of Transpose, a series which celebrates live music, theatre, rap and unbelievable twerking from some of the UK's most exciting trans artists. CN's chosen piece is by a composer they spent years researching as part of their performance and research PhD at the University of Huddersfield. Now, don't worry, you don't need a PhD to know about what's coming next. Here's our resident music expert and conductor, Ben Jernin. When we think about Baroque composers, we probably think about J.S. Bach. Today, CN Lester is here to introduce us to another Baroque composer that you may not know. She has a fascinating story, and her name is Barbara Strozzi. The piece I'd like to talk about is called Lament, Il Lamento, uh, by Barbara Strozzi. I first discovered Strozzi in my mid-twenties and I was doing my masters and I had never once studied any women composers. So I was very angry. I took myself to the library. I sat down. I found her works. I got a huge big black volume of her Opus 3 out. I took it home, started playing and my mind was completely blown. And this lament in particular, it's long, it's meaty, the words are incredibly arresting, which I just thought, wow, I have to try that out. So I went and did a PhD on Barbara Strozzi, which meant I got to study Il Lamento as well as all her other pieces and perform them in lecture recitals and concerts and recordings and just be a kind of full-time Strozzi geek for a while, which was really good. And it's an incredibly concise and 
tremendously dramatic monodrama uh, where Singer takes us on the journey uh, describing the death of the murdered Henri Cinq-Mars, who was the favourite of Louis XIII of France. Uh, and in this story, the ghost comes back from the dead to tell a terrible tragedy of, of love, of betrayal, of jealousy at court, finally of murder. And the piece finishes with this kind of virtuoso flourish where the heavens themselves are offended by what happened and an earthquake hits Paris. The moment that I love in this piece as a performer is the strings start to sort of shimmer and shake. And suddenly the voice enters sort of in this kind of anguished way and that moment is the ghost literally sort of coming up from the dead body. The music goes into really quite over-the-top drama uh, as this ghost starts relating all the terrible events that led up to his murder. Honestly, the lyrics, they're all like his milky white breast is covered with blood and his beautiful eyes are all, you know, it's, it's very gay. <laughs> it's deliberately very gay. I'm singing in this version, accompanied by the incredible players of the Her Ensemble. Let me quickly tell you about the Her Ensemble. They're a string orchestra that formed during the pandemic with the aim to make a positive impact on the music industry's gender gap and shine a light on music written by women, which has been overlooked for centuries. CN has a deep affection for Strozzi and her composing style. I just, I want her to be my friend across the centuries. That's what happens when you sit in a library for six years studying someone. I love this idea of reaching back through 17th century manuscripts and pulling a friend out of the pages. Her music, like most of Baroque vocal music at this point, is written for voice and basso continuo. And that means that apart from the, the bass line sort of itself, you're improvising everything else. And she'll give you some indications. She'll definitely, you know, there are sharps and flats. There are occasional moments where she's sort of marked in like, do this here. There are occasional moments where she'll mark in, do a little trill there. But mostly you're working in a style of music which is kind of half written and half improvised. And that can make early music feel quite similar to working with jazz, blues. It's a really lovely moment between the composer and the performers because it has that sense of being in a rehearsal with someone, of just having a set of like a jam session with a band. And yet you're doing that with someone from 400 years ago in Venice, which I just love. 17th century Venice was a melting pot of culture, trade and politics. It was a diverse centre of commerce and arts between Europe and the Middle East. With a huge interest in music, painting and culture, Venice was a fertile ground for creativity. There were also lots of big churches that would support musicians and composers and wealthy aristocrats were more than willing to throw their money towards creative people. Through the bubbling cauldron of trade, art and multiculturalism, Barbara Strozzi was taking advantage of a flourishing creative capital and working hard to make opportunities for herself. We don't have a huge amount of information about who she was. We can say she was born in 1619 in Venice, that she died in 1677 in Padua. She supported her parents and her household. And a lot of people sort of looked at Strozzi. She was unmarried. She had four kids uh, and said, oh, could she have been a courtesan? 
And from that, over the years, it's been repeated and repeated and repeated until we don't even ask the question any longer. At the end of the day, I really do think that facts matter and that you need to source things um, in the historical record. And what we have is a record that Strozzi was in what is called a concubinary relationship uh, with a Venetian nobleman or a sort of commonplace marriage that she had kids, she provided for them, she provided for her parents, she was earning through her music. It seems likely that there were some slurs against her, which is not surprising. There were slurs against any woman who, who worked as a musician. And from what we can tell in her written responses to those slurs, she said, no, they're not true. And I think we should go with what she said. And we have a few little letters. You know, we have a letter from her to the Venetian authorities saying, I don't want to pay my taxes. <laughs> we have, you know, dedications from her to, uh, to her patrons at the beginning of each opus. Something I found really interesting was that the music printing business started in Venice in the early 16th century. So this is someone who pushed so hard to get her works published, to make sure that she was using this new technology of the printing press, of the, the system of distribution, to make her voice heard. And when we look at her music, this personality, it just leaps off the page. None of these are shy and retiring compositions. They're really masterful. They've got an incredible sense of character. You know, once you've sat with this music for a long time, in its humour, uh, its subversion, its brilliance, you just start getting this image of a person in your head thinking, you know, God, the audacity she had to write like this and the confidence she must have felt in herself to be able to put this down on paper. And obviously, I'm sure she must have suffered as many self-doubts as, as any other composer in the world, but these pieces... They have swagger and they have a shine and a brilliance to them, which makes them like catnip, really. Composers needed gigs. Church patronage was a really reliable way to earn a salary and it had a captive audience, so many musicians relied on that. As a female composer, this income avenue wouldn't have been available to Strozzi. She lived through a horrific plague that killed a third of all Venetians. She lived through war. She lived through crisis. Her world was in flux, and she responded to that and, and was part of those intellectual shifts and responses, um, just as much as any other artist or any other intellectual. You know, we can't look at Strozzi's life without thinking of the fact that she couldn't just get you know, a typical church position in the same way that Monteverdi could have done or Cavalli could have done. But at the same point, she wasn't powerless and she used the power that she had to pursue her own career, to pursue ways of, you know, sort of securing her day-to-day -day living, of really pushing her name as a composer. That practicality that comes through, because we like to think sometimes, I think, of composers as, oh my God, you know, it's, oh, here's a composer, they're all cheekbones and misery and they living off moonbeams and <laughs> inspiration. And you see with Strozzi that very realistic and grounded use of the market, as well as her incredible compositional talents. So how would CN appeal to us to listen to more Barbara Strozzi? If you've never listened to Strozzi before, the thing that I would say to you first and foremost is, do you find voices exciting? 
And if you find the human voice exciting, I think you should give Strozzi a try because Strozzi loves what the voice can do. She utilizes its full extent. She fills it full of drama. She fills it full of passion. She throws it at the different extremes. And for me as a singer, but also as a listener, someone who loves drama, who loves flash and glitter, she makes me grin like a loon because I'm just so excited by what she's doing. So that would be my pitch for Strozzi. She is exciting. She's passionate. And she's just brilliant. love her that's all i can say <laughs> and i can't add much more to that except to say huge thanks to the hair ensemble and the music company state 51 for their use of this recording of barbara strozzi's il lamento thanks to cn lester and ben jernan and thanks to you for listening to sound unbound part of the nothing concrete podcast from the barbican to listen to the rest of the series, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Sound Unbound is produced by Alexandra Quinn for Loftus Media. The executive producer is Freya Hellier. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.